Hello, podcast listeners. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And for this episode, I have an article for you. And the reason I've written out an article is because I had a biblical counselor come to me, and he had some questions for me about a counseling case that uh, that he has uh, with a dad who came to him, and the dad just found out that his teenage son was in porn, and so the biblical counselor turned to me and said, Rick, I have some questions. Would you help me with this? And so as I was interacting with the biblical counselor, I was thinking, these things are, are very good for our community to hear. And so what I did is I fictionalized the conversation that I had with the biblical counselor, and I flattened it out. And what I mean by that is, is there's no names and there's no geographical location, there's no churches involved, there's no way to tell who this is. So it's kind of a fictionalized, flattened out version. And I wanted to do that because the names of the people aren't important for what I want to do here, but the things that I communicated to this biblical counselor are important, and that's why I've written out an article. That's why I'm doing this podcast. And so the title of the podcast is, You Just Caught Your Child Using Porn. What are you to do? Now, some of you listening to this will say, well, that's not a struggle that my teenager is having. And I say, praise God, I'm glad your teenager doesn't struggle this way. But this is what I want you to do. Extract the word porn from the title of this podcast, and say, you just caught your child doing, and then fill in the blank, what are you to do? And you will be able to have, uh, to find a lot of application. Uh, So you can come alongside your teenager, or you can come alongside someone who is walking their child through an issue, whether it's porn or some other sin problem. And so I want to share the things that I shared with that biblical counselor, again, fictionalized and flattened out, but these truths have universal application, whether it's pornography or something else. And so this biblical counselor asked me three specific questions, and in a few moments I want to share those questions with you. But I talked to him about several other things, and so let me give you a brief introduction of the preface of what I shared with him before we get into the granular level of helping this parent and helping the child through the pornography that he has found himself uh, caught into. The first thing that the parent needs to know is that God's grace is sufficient for this problem. And you can hear already in that sentence why this applies to any situation that you're in, not just pornography. And that's why I want you to extract the word pornography out of the title if it doesn't apply. But whatever the situation is in your life or someone that you're helping, whether a child or a friend, you have to know, I have to know that God's grace is sufficient for this problem. The starting point when dealing with any personal challenge must be in the hope that we have in God. If that is not how we come out of the gate, we're probably going to stagger and maybe even faceplant as we move down the track. And while we may not understand everything going on in our lives, We can understand, and we can know, and we can trust in God's goodness 
even in our darkest hours. And so I want to make sure that the parents are rooting their hearts and their minds in God and the sufficiency of his word. God is writing his story in their lives. God is still sovereign. God is in control. God is working his plan. And most importantly, they need to know that God is good. And these concepts should be fixed anchor points in their hearts. And so whatever you're going through, personally, familial, or within your network, The fixed anchor points has to be that God is good, he's working his plan, and that his word is sufficient to walk us through this. And so that's the first thing that I shared with the biblical counselor. And then the second thing I wanted them to know is to focus on the real issue in the kid's heart. That is the real issue. This is a heart problem primarily, a computer problem secondarily. And so the problems are 1A and 1B. Sometimes the temptation is to deal with the tip of the iceberg, technology, porn, computer in this case, but not deal with the entire iceberg, the thing that is actually causing the problem. Now, granted, the parents can use and should use technological protective measures to guard the computer, but they will need to take another approach to safeguard the child's heart. And so there is an amputatable problem amputate the computer, for example, but there is a mortification problem which is more significant what is going on in the child's heart. Now, James gives us some insight into this in James 1, verses 14 and 15. There are two sentences here, and I want to share, read these two sentences to you and, and then explain a little bit more about what I mean. James says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The next sentence says, Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It is important to understand that the computer did not cause the problem. The computer actually provided the thing that he was desiring in his own heart. It was his desire that was the problem, and he used the computer to satisfy the desire. That's why the deeper issue is what's going on in the heart. And so, again, it's not negating the importance of technological protective measures as far as computer software is concerned and whatever whatever other mechanical or amputatable things that you want to do, but the parents have to understand that this is 1A, a desire problem. It's a heart issue most of all, and so that was thing number two. Thing number three, before I get into the biblical counselor's questions, is I, I wanted to convey to him that you, you may have to walk the parents through believing what they are seeing. You see, sometimes when when my child, when our child does something that's really dumb or they commit some sin, it's hard to see it clearly and fully. I mean, if you told me that your child was in porn or the neighbor's child was in porn, I could say, yeah, I can see that and I can understand that and I can walk you through that and I can believe that. But when it comes to our children, sometimes uh, we can blur blur the situation and not see it as clearly as we as we should 
And so I, I want him to carefully walk the parents through that they have to trust their eyes. They have to believe what they're looking at. And while they can understand why other children mess up, it can be hard to receive and accept the truth about their children. And again, I I do know that I am like that. If a child like the one that this biblical counselor is talking to me about, if he goes to the lengths to get out of bed at night and to sneak through the house and to go circumvent these uh, software uh, prohibiting technological ways to not get on porn and actually gets on porn, then it, it could be that this child actually has an addiction. If he doesn't have an addiction, there's one coming quickly. Paul talked about it this way in Galatians 6.1. He says, if anyone is caught, that's that addiction word, meaning it has captured you, it owns you like an addiction does. If anyone's caught in any transgression, then you who are spiritual should restore him. Cartatizo, put him, put him back together in a spirit of gentleness. Now, perhaps to help them to believe their own eyes and and to trust what they are seeing and work the real problem and not blur the situation, perhaps if you reframed it uh, by using a couple of illustrations, sometimes I'll do this. So let's say that a parent has a teenage child in in porn and they're having a hard time believing that their their child actually did this. Uh, Maybe I will reframe the conversation by talking about an alcoholic or a crack addict who is circumventing sound advice, circumventing the obstacles that are in place to keep them from drinking or using drugs. Sometimes that will help parents to see the depth and the severity of the problem. You see, this kid is not a victim of his culture. He's not a victim of technology. He is premeditating how he can get to porn to satisfy the cravings of his heart. He is a user, like a drug addict or an alcoholic. According to James, porn is in his heart. If anyone is tempted, he, or he is tempted, when he is lured and enticed by his own desires, the evil desires of his heart are luring him away from holiness. Now, I know that this perspective will be hard for these parents to hear, and so I want my biblical counselor to carefully bring this truth to them but make sure they are working on the primary issue more than the secondary one, like the computer or the software. Now, indeed, they want to do Matthew 5.30. If your hand offends you, amputate it. If your eye offends you, amputate it. You want to do those external things, but there is a deeper mortification issue. The internal source problem will be the most significant hurdle for them to get over. And so the three things that I shared with this biblical counselor is make sure the anchor points is in the hope that they have in God and the truth and sufficiency of his word. Make sure they're working on the primary problem, 1A, as they're working on 1B. And then number three, make sure that they are believing what they are seeing. Now, perhaps as you work through those three points at this juncture in the process, may be a good time to 
re-remind the parents of the grace and mercy of God. When you're working with someone where they're really invested in the issue emotionally because it's their child, not yours, it's their teenager, not yours, you want to come back around to the hope that we have in God because it's so easy to move off or to move away from those anchor points. God is working his plan in their lives, and now they have an excellent opportunity to cooperate with what God desires to do for their child. With that perspective in view, part of God's mercy could be his desire to blow this thing up while the child is young. Excuse me. This is the fourth thing that I told the biblical counselor. I want you to process this. Just slow down just a little bit and think through this. This unexpected providence could be God's grace actively working in this family. Let me give you an example. Dealing with this problem today is far better than finding out when he is 40 years old, married to a bitter wife, and the kids are in rebellion. Can you see the potential of God's mercy working early in this child's life to blow this thing up? Be sure your sin will find you out, and it has found him out as a teenager, not as a 40-year-old man. And so rather than the parents getting lost in the discouragement of what is going on at the moment, I would want to motivate them to think and biblically respond while implementing a biblical plan to help their son. This could be a huge mercy to this family to get in there and to root out these sinful desires and to stop this at this point and to prepare this young man for a wife and for children and a godly generation that he could raise up because God is imploding him right now. The title of the podcast is You Just Caught Your Child using porn, what are you to do? And again, if porn doesn't apply, please extract that out and just insert whatever the sin issue is. Now, the biblical counselor asked me three questions, and so I want to share with you the questions that he asked, and then I will also share what I told him. Question number one is, what are some first steps of protection that you would recommend to parents to prevent future porn surfing? And so the parents should have all the possible blocks on their computers. I mean, parents should have this on their computers. This kind of protection would also apply to cell phones and iPads and any other form of technology. Now, remember, this is 1B. It is essential, and so I'm not negating that. This is the amputatable part of of the problem. And so you want to make sure that you do have the blocks and the software protection on your devices that will at least make it difficult for the child to access pornography. And in the age that we live in, uh, children are so savvy and they're so smart. And so you really want to do do, due diligence and and make sure that you're doing all you can to help your child uh, should they be lured by their own hearts to try to find uh, pornography. Realizing that there aren't any foolproof ways to stop a guy, if he, or a gal for that matter, if he wants to get porn. But again, you want to do as much as possible. Now, additionally, I would remove or reduce his accessibility to technology. And maybe a question that you want to ask is, does he have to have technology? 
What is the purpose for him to have a computer and other devices? Cell phones are a desire, not a need. Most people do not need a cell phone. Our culture tells us that we need one while enticing us to have one. I mean, Facebook is similar for uh, us older people. Nobody needs to be on Facebook. And though this flies in the face of our technology gods, the truth is that we don't need all that we have. And if these things are hindering, or if it's setting up an example for your family, for your children, maybe there's some other amputation that you need to do, maybe in your own life. I have counseled many parents who are afraid of disappointing their children, fear of man. And I would want to carefully walk these parents through the need versus desire tension, the need versus desire construct regarding technology. If there are times when the child needs to be on the computer, I would move his computer to a central, obvious, and public place in the home. If your son struggled with drinking, I don't think you would put a mini fridge full of beer in his room and give him a stern warning about what you'll do to him if he takes a sip. Why would you put a mini fridge in his room if, he, if, if alcohol, if, if his heart was desiring alcohol? Why would you put a computer in his room if his heart was desiring pornography? And so the answer to question, what are some of the first steps of protection? Those are some of the things that I ask uh, this biblical counselor to consider. Now, by the way, inside this article that I'm sharing with you. I have a one-hour webinar on pornography, and it's free. I mean, you can just hit the button right here inside this article, and you can watch an additional hour in addition to this 30-minute podcast that I'm sharing now. And then also know that there are embedded links throughout this article. So if this is a big issue with you, and you do want to do a deep dive, for example, there's an article here titled 12 Addictive and Soul-Capturing Reasons That Men Enjoy Porn. There's another one here, What Should a Single Girl Know About Guys Struggling with Porn? And then there are 20 other articles here. And so I want you to take advantage of these resources here in addition to this podcast. If you're helping a child or a friend to walk through an addictive issue, whether it's porn or something else. The second question the biblical counselor asked me was, how should a parent talk to their teen about the details of what they have seen Should a parent probe into specific questions about what kind of porn the child is viewing? Now, this is an interesting question, and it's a good one. And I would start by saying that the parent should talk to the child about how they would want others to speak to them if someone discovered them doing similarly. For example, yelling and screaming at the child. Well, that's not wise, and you don't want anybody yelling and screaming at you either. And so one of the things that I would want the parents to do is to model what they want their child to be. If you want your child to to be holy, uh, then model holiness before the, before the child. If you want your child to be humble, then model humility. If you want your child to be accountable, make sure you are accountable. If you want your child to be honest, make sure you're modeling honesty. And so part of it is that you be a representative of what you want your child to become. And so you model the gospel. As far as actual content, which is really what the question is asking, you know, how much should you talk about what the child is viewing as far as specifics? Well, it would depend on the situation. It would depend on the content viewed. And it would also depend on the parents. 
every marriage is not the same. Every parent is not the same. Every man and a woman's not the same. For example, the dad has a responsibility to protect and lead and shepherd his wife. Sometimes the role of a shepherd husband is to protect his wife. And so here's the question. Will it serve your wife to know what the child was viewing? What would be the point of her knowing all the details? It's easier to forget stuff that you don't know. It's harder to forget stuff that you do know. And so what would be the point, like say, in your wife knowing uh, what the teenager was looking at? Uh, he was looking at porn, and, and that could be sufficient enough. And then from there, you can start working on the heart problem. It may not serve the wife to know the severity or the explicit nature of the porn her son was viewing. It is enough to know that her son was in porn and that he needs help. And so, again, it depends case by case, person by person, marriage by marriage. Now, from the husband's perspective, it's probably not wise to view the porn that he was looking at. Don't do that. Nothing more, and there's nothing more to discover. Whatever you have discovered, that's what you discovered and I would not look any further. You see, men are affected differently than women. She may succ- The wife may succumb to losing hope by what she sees. The husband would wrestle with the temptations if he saw more. And so you, you have to keep these things in mind. In either case, porn takes no prisoners, and so be very careful. And the general rule of thumb is you know what you know, and you discovered what you discovered and work the problem from there. Porn is violence to the soul, all souls, the parents as well. All parties involved should be highly cautious when living with it. And then question number three, how should parents be discipling their children or this child to help them understand why pornography is wrong? While I would want to disciple my children on the sin of pornography, if they were in porn, I would like to disciple them through the deeper and more insidious problems that are happening, the things in their hearts that feed porn. Our behaviors flow from our hearts, and if the parents do not shape or cooperate with God in the shaping of the child's heart toward Christ, then the kid doesn't have a chance. And so I've talked a little bit about externals and uh, need versus desires as far as technology, putting the computer in the middle of the room. Again, that's all external behavioral amputatable things. But where the hard work is going to come is to try to discern the child's heart. And so what I want to do at this juncture As I wrap up this podcast, I want to share six things that are probably going on in the child's heart. This is not an exhaustive list, but I just want you to, I want to present as much clarity as I possibly can so that you can see that pornography uh, is is something that uh, is fed and is connected to a network of idolatries and other sins. And so if you want to root it out of the heart, it's not a singular thing that's happening in the heart. There are other things that are happening simultaneously and cooperating together that feeds this craving for porn. Here's at least six possibilities in no particular order. I'll just read them to you, and then I will make a comment. I'll come back and make a comment about all six of them. So if a child's caught in porn, here are six other things that you want to think about. Slothfulness, dishonoring, deception, 
self-righteousness, self-centeredness, and then number six, ignorance. All right, let's go to slothfulness. The child is lazy, meaning that he uses sex to satisfy himself rather than sex being a beautiful thing that God designed for his future marriage. He's lazy. You And also, you will find laziness at the root of a lot of other things that are going on in the child's life. Laziness is not a singular tributary out of the soul that attaches to porn. Laziness will touch many things in this child's life, and you will see it if you look around. Begin to scrutinize his whole life, and you'll find pockets of laziness in other places. And so one of the things that pornography communicates that you want to address is slothfulness because the use of pornography is lazy. It is satisfying yourself. It's circumventing what sex is supposed to be. That is a lazy way to accomplish something sinfully. Number two is dishonoring. More than likely, the child knows that he is dishonoring his parents, but he does not care. He wants what he wants. Like laziness, you'll also find a, quote, dishonoring worldview, end quote, popping up in other areas. Suppose his dishonoring attitude is not taken care of now, during this season. If not, there will be many other repercussions in his future. For example, how he works for his future employer. He will dishonor his employer. How he loves his future wife are just two examples of what dishonoring is. Using pornography, going against his parents' wishes, going against God's teaching is dishonoring, and you'll find dishonoring happening in several other areas of its life. Number three is deception, and this is an obvious one. He's lying. He's been living a lie, internally living a lie that just got exposed by the light of being discovered. Lying is one of the more heinous sins operating in this entire situation. You see, when a person lives a lie, it's hard to know if anything he says is the truth. Deceit in a relationship destroys the relationship. One of the reasons we love God so much is because he always tells the truth. We can assuredly know where we stand with him. You cannot be sure where you stand with this child. Just like you will find pockets of laziness and dishonoring in many other areas of his life, you'll find deception too. Number four is self-righteousness. Again, this is obvious. Porn is a form of self-righteousness. It's elevating yourself above women, looking down on them objectifying them and using them selfishly in the theater of your mind. The self-righteous person has a greater than, better than attitude. Porn devalues women, and the porn user is using women to satisfy his selfish cravings. He has an elevated view of himself. He is a self-righteous soul. Number five is self-centeredness. As you might deduce, self-centeredness is the center of the porn user's worldview. He's selfish. This centerpiece defines him. Selfish is who the son, this teenage son is. Being self-centered will creep into every single facet of, his, of this person's life. All of these will. Slothfulness, dishonoring, deception, self-righteousness, self-centeredness is not just segregated off to porn, but like a cancer, it will spread throughout his heart and throughout the different contexts and relationships in his life. And then finally, number six is ignorance. One of the reasons he's choosing to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season is because there is something he does not understand about God. He has a blind spot. He's ignorant. He's, he lacks understanding. 
and you will find this kind of life portrayed by the life of the fool in Proverbs. The fool is ignorant. This boy is acting like a fool, and so there are pockets of ignorance in his life as well. This list represents samples of some of the things going on in this child's heart, things that have led to his pornography use. As the parents insightfully talk to him, they will find other sinful categories in addition to these six operating in his soul. They will need to unpack him, unpack his heart, to eliminate the roots of porn carefully. Two final thoughts, and I'll wrap up. One is self-assessment. One of the more challenging things to walk parents through is a sober self-assessment of their marriage and how they have parented their child. In more cases than not, true, in more cases than not, it has been my experience to find that there are problems between the parents and how they parent when it comes to the sin of pornography. Though the kid is personally personally responsible for what he did, it's not the parent's fault, he made the choice, but if the parents are humble, they will want to know how they contributed how they complicated his sin issue. If there are parental issues, they must change to serve him well. It may be that parents need to go to their child and confess their sins, whatever they may be. I have seen many parents humble humble themselves through the years, and it went a long way in restoring what was broken in their family, the porn being just the tip of the iceberg. And then the final thought is community. Everybody involved needs to understand that what was born in isolation will be overcome in a community. You can do many things by yourself, but sanctification is not one of them. They need the local church. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Have a blessed day. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.